All right, we're back with another episode. As usual, I'll get to start off a little bit of history. We don't have much tonight, literally just one thing. But um, on this day in 2014, last week tonight with John Oliver premiered on HBO. And uh, I did not know, here's what I'll say. I didn't know that the show had been around that long, even though it's only been seven years. I thought it was more recent because like as soon as, I feel like when Trump got into office he took off in popularity so i i literally thought he came out like 2017 or something yeah it doesn't seem that long ago it's crazy i think just starting off it was a very niche yeah show and yet once trump's presidency sort of came to prominence he sort of got more notoriety yeah Brandon likes film. Lauren prefers TV. Together, they chronicle life in a peak entertainment era. Welcome to It's a Streamable Life. If you're hearing this, then we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. This week, we will be closing season three of the podcast with our feature presentation recapping this year's 2021 Academy Awards. So first we will get into the headlines of the week. First up, while everyone was enjoying um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+, it was announced that Anthony Mackie will star in the next Captain America film, Captain America 4, which will be uh, directed by the series showrunner Malcolm. Um... Oh, I just. Here's what I found. Shit. <laughs> that was Siri. Sorry. Yeah. Malcolm <laughs> Spellman. <laughs> she brought up the name. Oh. Random. But yeah, Malcolm Spellman will be uh, the directing that. So we can look forward to more of Sam Wilson as Cap. Yeah, okay. Um, next, we had the before the Oscars, the Spirit Independent Film Awards were April 22nd. And the big winner there was again Chloe Zhao and Francis McDormand for Nomad Land. Yeah. Um, for, of course, Francis took Best Actress and Zoe took Best Actor. I believe Nomad Land won Best Feature as well. And then they introduced a new television category. And the big winner there was Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You. I believe it took um, Best New Series, I think was one of the categories. Um, they wow. introduced five television categories, so we can look forward to that for the next uh, Spirit Awards. Yeah, well, that's good for her because she deserves something this year. Yes, I hope the Emmys finally give her her just due, but we'll, yeah. we'll have to see. And then over at HBO, the second season of Perry Mason will have two new showrunners. Um, the previous showrunners and creators departed the series to pursue other, uh, other projects. So uh, the next season showrunners are Michael Begler and Jack Emil, who are co-creators of The Nick, which is available on HBO Max to stream. So we'll see how the series looks under their tutelage. Yeah. The Nick's pretty decent, so yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. it doesn't lose too much of what makes it good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, well, for me, uh, starting off, we're going to start talking about the Oscars, and 
it took a massive slump in terms of viewers. Um, it dropped by 58% from last year, um, where there was almost, I want to say 23 or something, 23 million people tuned in. And uh, this year it was, it was just under 10 million. So it was, it was down a lot. Um, and it's kind of been a trend with award shows during this pandemic. And in general, I think people just kind of turn away from them. And um, it's really just the hardcore fans of movies and in the award shows themselves. So um, yeah. I'm not really sure what they can do about that. Definitely. It's going to be, it's going to take a minute for them to sort of reclaim sort of culture significance because it's just, it just has changed so much. Yeah. Yeah. It really has. Um, secondly, uh, like we've already said, Chloe Zhao um, was, hold on, oh, won the, um, the award for best director at uh, the Oscars over the weekend. And actually, well, she won three, right? Or the film won three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the film won three for best picture, best director, and yeah, best actress. But um, it was censored in China. The country of China they have huge censor mm. laws and and a lot of things and um it, i don't know it, <laughs> i think the, the the reason reasoning was kind of strange and kind of vague but it had to do something with um a comment made to a magazine about i don't know uh, that she made about china i think it was and so some chinese people took that as um you know, a slight by her, and this is where the mm. censorship came in on their web, their internet, and yeah, it, it's it's kind of hard to follow, but um, it's interesting. You hear about that a lot from China, which is not something we're used to, not censoring in, in that way, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And then lastly, I talked about this last week, uh, Scott Rudin, the producer of some very famous films. But this week on uh, April 22nd, an article came out from Vulture and it was titled, Scott Rudin is told by his assistant, a portrait of a toxic workplace. And uh, it just, it, it took the story from a 10 and turned it up like 20 more notches. This is, it's some of the most insane stuff I have ever read and uh yeah I'm not sure did you check it out I missed it I think I saw it but I didn't get to read it but okay well I put the link in our little script so you can read it but it 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 details everything you know he's had he's been in the business forever and um he's had something like a hundred assistants and just people that work there and there's there's stories of him throwing uh, computers and um yelling at people for misspelling words he, he fired a guy on his first day there and not using the right font and not answering the phones correctly it's it's insane like if you read it there's there's too much information for it not to be true like so just yeah unfortunate right right so and it seems like every week he steps down from another board or something he just he just stepped away from the broadway something i think so He's on his way out, but yeah, it's it's nuts to see everything that that's coming up. That's crazy. Well, yeah. hopefully he just sort of 
just leaves. Like we don't need the announcements. Just right, right. Just so. <laughs> All righty, we'll transition to trailer things. Um, a lot of trailers dropping left and right. And I listed this last, but I want to put, kind of put this first. Netflix dropped a film sizzle reel of all the movies that are coming in May because they're promising this new movie each week uh, thing. So you can definitely go to their YouTube page and see all the movies they're planning from The Kissing Booth 3 to uh, Monster to Army of the Dead, the big uh, Zack Snyder film. Yeah. They've got a lot of stuff uh, coming in May. So check that out just to see what movies are coming to the platform. Um, but first up, in a sort of surprise, they announced season three of uh, Master of None. Yeah, I saw that. This was Aziz Ansari's um, series uh, from a few years back before his little toxic indiscretion or whatnot. Um, but this season will focus on Lena Waite's character, Denise, and her girlfriend, and their subtitling it, Moments of Love. So it will focus on this um, Black uh, lesbian couple, their highs, lows, ins and outs of a relationship, and I think like an eight-episode uh, season. So Ansari directed this and co-wrote with Lena, so it should be interesting. Um, well, what I have on here is... Uh... The, this is from HBO. I'm not sure why I put Netflix, but on May 29th they have a show coming out, um, a film rather called Oslo, and it's about the Oslo peace accords, and for what those were it was kind of a were talks and kind of a, the but like the, the budding of a friendship between Palestinians and Israelis in 1993, trying to stop mm. the violence that was going on. And um, so it's with it's that, and then there was a, a Norwegian couple that was part of it. This is based on a true story, but it stars um, Ruth Wilson and Andrew Scott. So they play the couple, and they're part of this, and just kind of tracks the trajectory of the peace accords and everything that went into it, and I'm guessing what came after. So it looked really good, and uh, and yeah, I think that came out. I want to say like last week or something, or maybe even Sunday, but yeah, so that's May 29th on HBO. Gotcha. Yeah. And then Netflix, this was from Netflix, dropped a trailer for season two of The Naked Director. And this is about the um, porn director <laughs> in <laughs> Japan. And I watched the first season and I, I didn't know really what to expect. I, I thought it was just going to be something silly. But it's actually it's pretty decent, and it is it is silly, but I think that helps with um, the subject matter. And um, it's interesting. I mean, you take the subject matter and you take the silliness, but there is kind of like a redemption story there because this guy keeps getting knocked back and he gets pushed back, and it's like, oh, this isn't right, this is obscene, and then he just kind of you know turns it into an opportunity. He kind of just takes it on the chin and keeps going. So. It's interesting. It's, it's pretty decent, though. Okay. Um, yeah. And then uh, another thing from Netflix is the new uh, anime series, uh, executive produced by LaShawn Thomas um, and starring Lakeith Stanfield as uh, Yazuke. I hope I'm mm -hmm. pronouncing that right. And it's based on the life of the Black Samurai in feudal Japan. 
So they released a full trailer today um, or this weekend. Uh, basically, there was a black servant who ascended to the title of samurai and he's interested in protecting a little girl who has some sort of power yeah. um, that a villain is after and sort of just tests his might that it looks really decent um so i'm excited hmm. he stays busy man well he's been busy these past few years yeah he definitely stays booked <laughs> And speaking of books, we'll get into streams of the week as we both were booked with a particular film this weekend. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure you probably watched it for free, which I should have done as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are talking about Mortal Kombat, the highly anticipated reboot from Warner Brothers, um, starring Louis Tan and other people. Right. So um just initial thoughts what 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 were your thoughts of the film i think going into it i i was excited i mean it's mortal kombat we haven't had one since what annihilation Mm -hmm. that one was something it was interesting right but yeah i was hype i was like okay they've been doing the promo everything's been good and the story between scorpion and um sub-zero you know, it was so interesting in the way it started. And I kind of thought that's where we're going to go. They're going to stay on that path. But uh, it just, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. What did it for me was the dialogue. It really sounded like, it sounded like some like middle schoolers wrote this. Yeah. It, it was so cheesy, like too cheesy. It was very, extremely cheesy. Um and it almost made me think these people couldn't act, especially Tan, because I've seen Louis Tan right. in our project, and he's great. But here, the dialogue just, I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know, maybe they should have cast someone younger, because it just. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what the problem was, but yeah, there was, there's nothing in it that really, I was like. I don't know but it I'm yeah it, <laughs> once I finished it I was just kind of like this isn't even worth talking about yeah the beginning was great and of course you know Scorpion Sub-Zero sort of like the Wolverine and Magneto or whatever of the universe so beginning was great and if they had kept that level of storytelling right. and tone it would have worked but as soon as as it derailed into, you know, Cole and this thing about a birthmark and knowing your end can or whatever, it was just, this is yeah. not combat. Like, I don't know what this is, but it's not that. And then we brought in all these characters just for them to get owned in the third act. It wasn't yeah. a tournament. Like, I just... Yeah, no, it was strange. And... <laughs> When they went into like the gym that was like iced out, I was kind of like, all right, what's what's going on now? And and even the final fight really didn't I don't know, it just it was it was an anticlimactic movie all very, around. Very just yeah, anticlimactic is the perfect yeah. word. Cause I never 
throughout the movie, I just sat there taking it in, but I was never like audibly excited. Like I, it right. was very meh the whole yeah. way through. So it didn't need to be rated R. No, I'm not even sure how it got that rating. That's because I know like they showed all the promised fatalities, stuff like that. All the fatalities were in the trailer. Right. Like all the cool things, other stuff. It just, yeah, I was disappointed. So what what I will say, maybe the only good thing about it was that in terms of gore, it stayed true to that. Right. Right. So yeah, I'll give it that. But everything else was a thumbs down. Yeah, definitely thumbs down. Okay, and I'll go next since there was only one one other thing I watched. Um, yeah. I checked out Freeform's Cruel Summer. Yeah. Um, this is a series, I think it drops every Tuesday. Stars Olivia Holt. Um, I forget the other girl's name, but um, it is set three different years in the 90s, same day, um, where a teen girl goes missing in 93. Yeah. She's found in 94 and 95 is sort of like the present. There's like a trial, a litigation um, between two parties. And it's it's 90s nostalgia, the soundtrack, the mall, just everything. But it, it's this mystery um, involving these two girls and, you know, two different truths uh, to the situation. So it, it was pretty good, the first two episodes. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, I've seen a lot about that. I, honestly, I think I saw an article about it over this weekend about it being like binge worthy or something, or it's like your next obsession. I can't remember what I was reading, what I was looking at, but yeah, it's definitely that you you want to know what ha- what happens next because yeah. there's a lot of players that are suspect and different things going on. So okay, all right. Well, yeah, I watched a couple other things. One of those things was um, um, PBS. Um, their theater series show Romeo and Juliet, which everybody knows the story. But this one was interesting because it had uh, oh God, Josh O'Connor, who I believe is in The Crown now. I know him from other things, but I mm-hmm. think most people know him from The Crown. And then, um, oh God, Jesse Buckley. Oh God, she's been on a lot of things too. Yeah. Uh, red hair. Yeah, everybody. But yeah, the difference was, was that this was supposed to be something else, but um they recorded this in the studio so you see the people not in like regular clothes but they're on like the sound stage and they're just moving around and the cameras are filming there and it was supposed to open for people in london but it couldn't because of the pandemic so they decided to make this kind of film version of it and it was really good um it 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 was really good um it, it was always like on stage things because they don't adhere and it pisses some people off to like the race. We're like, there's no doubt that Shakespeare wrote Romeo and Juliet with white people in every role. But in this one, it was it was so diverse, you know, like their parents, they would have like a black parent or something. It was just, it's all over the place. It was really good though. Um, and then when I was watching, oh, what do I watch that comes on AMC? I can't remember. Uh, oh. Gang, the gangs of london i saw a commercial for the show called the secrets she keeps mm-hmm. and um it's an australian show and it it's got a very lifetime-ish background there is a woman who is pregnant or we think she's pregnant that is um obsessed 
with another pregnant woman's life and this woman is like a blogger and uh like all this and it's very that plot's very lifetime-ish but it's it's a little bit darker and um now everything i've seen about it's given it like huge like you know reviews it's really good it's like a psychological thriller and uh it's just it's just six parts and this week on comcast is their watches on thing so hmm. um that's when all their channels are unlocked so amc star showtime hbo has its own thing you can watch whatever free for a week and um i'm probably going to knock this out but it's been the first two episodes have been really good so far okay all yeah right. uh in addition to that you also have a film you're recommending and no concessions so let us know what we should be checking out okay this one came out a little while ago uh, i want to say 2000 and 16 2017 but it is nocturnal animals by um the fashion designer and filmmaker tom ford um mm. it's a pretty dark movie and it follows a woman uh susan who's played by amy adams she receives a manuscript from her like exchange ex-husband and uh as she starts to read it she kind of sees like her past life with him unravel and like the novel is what you see and uh it's really dark there's like kidnapping and beating and murder and rape it, it's a lot of stuff and um I, I think it got pretty okay reviews it's kind of up and down but the cast was was good you know it had amy adams jake gyllenhaal um oh god what's his name aaron taylor johnson uh I think Michael Shannon was in it for a little bit and um, Isla Fisher, who looks just like Amy Adams. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Army Hammer was in as well, but we don't speak about him, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it's really decent. It's, it would probably be a hard watch for some people. Um, and it's based on a book. So I'd have to read the book to see okay. how the two are compared, but but yeah, and uh, for a long time, it was on Netflix, and I'm not sure if it's on there now, but um, you could check there to see if that's where it's streaming. All right, so that's Nocturnal Animals, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Amy Adams, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Michael Shannon, and Isla Fisher. Um, well, we'll take a quick break right now before getting to our NLT and feature presentation. Welcome back. And right now we'll get into our NLT segment where we have episode three of The Nevers and episode two of Mayor of Easttown, both new series on HBO and both uh, with unexpected twists at the end involving deaths of certain characters, which is pretty interesting that both, yeah. both series sort of had a, a character death. Um, First up, episode three of The Nevers, entitled Ignition. Um, basically, our, I guess, team of Touched um, yeah. discover this other facility, um, uh, what would you call it, baiting other yeah, individuals. Um, we realized this is the place where um, the woman from last episode went and became one of the slaves to these robotic masked people. Yeah. Um, 
And because of that, this sort of steamrolled ahead with the plan for Mary to finally sing her song using Penance's uh, Brightener, which is basically just yeah. an amplifier. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and we also got an interaction between Horatio and Malady. Yeah. Um, she sort of forced his hand to heal her from her bullet wound and they had a discussion. Uh, so, some more of their backstory, well, her backstory specifically. Yeah. Um, some development with Swan and this club, which I guess it's relevant because he's exploiting the touched. Yeah. Or he's like, yeah, I guess so. But it's still really strange. It's just kind of, you get yeah, the story, it's, then it's like, oh, here's this guy running a brothel or whatever he's doing. Yeah, it just feels very random, like a different show. I don't know. Right, right. Um, at the same time, um, Lord Masson is keeping some type of secret in his basement. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we'll get, I'm sure we'll explore that further, but uh, we were told, um, shown that both his wife and daughter are deceased, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure that has something to do with whatever was rummaging around in, in, there. in the mansion cellar. Right. Um, and uh, the Beggar King, this is how the episode opened. The Beggar King had to interrogate his men after Brim Bonfire, uh, Annie, basically yeah. destroyed his, uh, what would you call it? His uh, supply of opium. Yeah. Which I thought was a funny scene. Yeah, because Penance gets a little bit high off of the smoke and everything. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and we find out why Frank and Mary didn't work out. Basically, I guess he's a closeted homosexual. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting. Well, initially when he was sitting in that pub and he <laughs> they got me because he looks at the boy down the hallway. I was like, oh, okay, this is coming together. And then he goes into the room. Right. And the old dude's there. And then they have their conversation. And he's like, well, I was drunk when it happened when we had sex the first time and then um, then he was like yeah you were drunk the first time I was like oh. right right <laughs> so he's struggling and I mean that's I mean that's great that's there but he could have just been gay because you have someone yeah. like having bisexual threesome so right yeah I, I don't know everything with Swan just seems very just it's kind of like it's trying to make the show edgier. Like, oh, we have this storyline with this, you know, with the women and what they're trying to do and save these other people. We need a little bit of edge into it. Let's find this guy that's hedonistic yeah. in the worst way. Like, yeah, but it's not really... No, it's not working. ...story along. No. Um, so... Uh, before we get to the ending, what did you think of this episode in general and some of the developments we we were given? I thought it was I thought it was it was decent. Um, I'm still not seeing what people the reviews I read. I, I still like the show. It's mm -hmm. not fantasy in the way that um, you know Games of Thrones. It's nothing like that. It's not that big, expansive world. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's fun. It's and, and it's weird for a, there to be like a lighthearted show on HBO. But there are so many lighthearted moments in this show that um, 
uh, that are that are good. I don't know. I like it. It, it was a decent episode, and it, and I thought the bonfire, uh, what's her name? Bonfire. Bonfire Annie. Bonfire Annie. Kind of her switch is interesting. So I guess we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I guess she's more of like a just like a lone mercenary. Like she goes wherever way bigger yeah. the most. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, because she says, you know, the conversation she has with Amelia is that she was with Malady because the money was good. And then yeah. once the money dried up, you know, she sort of parted ways. Um, and then we, again, we see her at the end um, with yeah. all the touched. She leads all the touch to the orphanage. Yeah. Um, so that that was nice. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a very good episode. We got Amelia and Penance discovering sort of the lair that was kidnapping um, several of the touched girls and that scene with the um, the woman that was sort of like the the Leah or whatever um, having her confess oh yeah yeah and getting Lucy's backstory that was there's just moments that that really hit you and that was that was one of them yeah among like all the the joking and action like they have these sentimental human um humanistic moments and we find out that Lucy um discovered her powers sort of inadvertently when she was holding her her child yeah and the child sort of spontaneously combusted in her hands just just dissolved right so, um the way this woman describes you know basically murdering her own daughter because of her touched abilities yeah it pushed Lucy over the edge that was very uh a tough scene and then um, the conversation between Horatio and Malady, I still don't know what her power is. Yeah, I, I'm still leaning on like, it's just anger. Cause our, our, whenever she's like upset, her eyes glow, but yeah, I'm with you. I'd have no clue what she actually can do. Right. And um, we get, we got both more from her and Amelia, just how they both were, you know, declared insane, sent to yeah. the asylum. Somehow Amelia got out or yeah. was freed and she left Malady behind and there's some guilt there. So and and I think we finally cleared the air that there was something before between Amelia and um oh boy, the doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that sexual tension is very strong. Yeah, yeah, because it was there in the first episode, the last episode, and then we're on the steps. Horatio, God, you just said his name and I couldn't think of it. Yeah, they have that little moment where yeah. she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for being your mistake or whatever. Like, oh, damn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I remember distinctively first episode three years ago when everything happened, like it was him, his daughter, and his wife, and right. he was the touched one. Um, so yeah uh what else um we had the conversation between frank and mary where we get sort of like confirmation that you know he's gay and that's why the yeah. marriage didn't work but she reassures him that you know i'll always be here for you as a friend which right. i thought was a nice moment yeah. um and somehow this this and other events at the orphanage spur mary to want to sing the song again so yeah they repair um in a park where you know 
it can be heard throughout the city, um, amplify her voice and she sings and everyone sort of just awestruck um, yeah. happening. And then something was going to happen because it was just going on for too long. <laughs> um, right, yeah, and she's too out in the open. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, and suddenly bullets pierce the air and Mary is struck multiple times by the guy who had the, I guess, gun as an arm. Yes. And we see, we see early in the episode, he's bailed out. So I assume Mrs. Bidwell did that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, that's how that ends. Well, it ends with all the people coming to the orphanage, but before she gets shot, Amalia has that fight in the river with that big dude. Oh, yes. I totally forgot. Yeah, um, that was, I was so you know, confused. Yeah, Amalia's on her way to the park from, uh, I guess, investigating the, the Fall Orphanage. And yeah. she's knocked, her carriage is knocked into the river. And this dude basically can't, I don't know what his power would be, but he, he can't be submerged. Like, he doesn't. Had buoyancy, he had buoyancy, but it's like concrete. I don't know. It was right. very, it was kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. He just walked across it. Yeah. Yeah, because he was able to sort of like attack her without sinking. Right. Um, and that that was some good uh green screen trickery there, but it, yeah. it was an awesome fight. Um, she eventually like strangles him from underneath the water while he's on top of the water. Yeah. Um, but that was a, definitely a, a great scene that I almost forgot about. Yeah, that was that was badass. But yeah, after that, she gets to the park with the other touched. Um, Mary sings her song and she's basically assassinated yeah. right there in front of them. And it sort of depletes everyone's spirits. Um, and as they finally come back home, there is Bonfire Annie with an array of touched people who heard the song and we're drawn there so in a way mary mary accomplished the goal she just wasn't able to continue to see the see the um the fruits of her labor basically hmm. yeah i oh go ahead oh no i was just saying, i'm curious as where this is going to go i mean i'm i'm in it for the long run yeah but, uh, yeah i'm definitely pretty decent. for it yeah, I'm really want to see how uh, Bonfire Annie works within the orphanage. Um, I hope she doesn't betray them again, but yeah, we'll I'll have see. to see. Um, definitely. And switching to something totally different, Mayor of Easttown, episode two, Fathers. Yes. Uh, Mayor uh, and the police department are. Um, taking on the case of the murdered girl, Erin, um, her body found in the creek. And um, along with that, Mayor has a new family development where her son's rehabbing, her grandson's rehabbing mother wants full custody of the child. Yeah. Um, and the family sort of tried to keep that secret from her for as long as they could but um it's come up again yeah. and we also learned sadly that her son actually struggled with um some mental um disorders and took his own life right. so 
that's what um that's why she that's why they're caring for the grandson uh drew yeah and um they're afraid that some of his own uh tendencies behavior could signify the same sort of mental disabilities that her son struggled with so yeah um it was it, i thought it was a, a very strong episode um, yeah, it was really good. We got Evan Peters, which I did not recognize him at first. Yeah, he. It, it was strange to see him clean. Right. It seems like whenever he's in American Horror Story, they've got him all grungy and whatnot. And I, I also, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way he's shot. He looks, he looks taller than what I imagined. Right. I don't know how tall he is, but he definitely looked like feet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, he he looked like it's amazing. Like you're right. In the other roles, he's either made up or in a a costume or right. whatever. This is just like him in a totally different light. So yeah, I'm and looking, his and his hair is shorter. I think that's a part of it too. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have the shag. Yeah. Uh, so what what did you think of this episode overall? Uh, I thought it was was very good very strong we um they gave us they gave us so much and mm. still they gave us so much and still left us on a cliffhanger which is kind of like wow but um I'm, I'm loving kate winslet in this role especially her accent yeah um, she's doing great. <laughs> yeah but yeah it, it we're how do i say it the town is slowly expanding it's like every with this is only episode two but we get more and more characters and it's slowly building into this mystery that I have to imagine when it gets to the climax, it's just going to be like, Oh, Holy crap. Like, right. Right. Um, it surprised me how it sort of, this episode sort of reinforced how small it really is because right. when she calls, what's her friend's name? Nan. Yeah, I think so. To tell the news. Um, and she tells her husband who, I guess they work together yeah uh all she was like aaron died or aaron's dead and like, yeah kenny's aaron and like right right like, i guess she's the only aaron in town like what <laughs> yeah she must be but yeah um so episode opens with them having to go tell kenny that his daughter was found dead they believe it's a homicide and he of course doesn't take it very well he immediately accuses um her ex dylan of killing her um they do the whole where were you last night where last time you saw her all that stuff um they basically interrogate dylan um and while he says you know he didn't kill her he doesn't tell the whole story yeah he says that he never talked to her at the party that's a lie but they're going to get to the bottom of it and this is where we introduced to Evan Peters' character, Detective Collins Abel, or Zabel. I said Abel, but it's actually Zabel. He is a, a county detective that's supposed to come in and help with the investigation. Yeah. And Mayor, of course, doesn't want to help. He's younger, probably less experienced, but they've got to work together. Um, and we get a scene at the church where a priest is sort of addressing the the news of Aaron's death, and we get a, a quick scene with him, and it'll be Mayor's cousin. Yeah, I think that was her cousin. Yeah, that's the priest. Yeah, 
And, you know, he, they sort of remark on Aaron that, you know, at, for a short time, she was coming to the church, but then they just sort of lost touch with her. And he, he wishes that he had stayed in contact with her. Yeah. Um, later on, we learned that Mayor's son actually committed suicide. Um, this comes about through a discussion with Drew's teacher because Drew has, has developed this tendency of blinking a lot and that was sort of like a sign of sort of the various uh issues kevin had did had dealt with and they're afraid that he's on the same path and mayor sort of talks about you know eventually a few years back her son took his life um i think this is probably what spurred the divorce um yeah between her and frank um and from there we transitioned to Mayor discovering that, discovering the video of Aaron at the party with Brianna basically uh, beating her to a pulp, a pulp. And she also sees that her daughter was present as well. Yeah. And that that's information she did not know. Brianna needs her ass beat. Yeah, she does. She, she's, they've done a good job of, <laughs> Uh, making her an unlikable character because my goodness yeah just from of course her introduction to this in the show to now where she's so combative um throwing you know kevin's suicide in mayor's face and at the interrogation like yeah it's just an awful situation and she probably gets it from her father who later harasses mayor because he arrests brianna in public at their restaurant um, and eventually he, you know, he follows Mare at a gas station because she's on her way to Richard's book signing party um, and eventually throws a gallon of milk through her window because yeah. he doesn't know how to articulate his feelings. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, what did you think of Mare actually going to the book signing and that sort of like uh, interaction with Richard? I, th- I thought it was a pretty funny, um, I thought it was a funny scene just because she was so out of place. Uh, it's clear that she, how is it? She's so prepared in every other aspect of her life, but they had that kind of, that scene and even the music was different where she was getting ready mm-hmm. to go on this date and just kind of, uh, it kind of lightened the mood, I guess. But. Oh no, it was decent. I'm still not sure what to think of Richard, but for right now, he seems kind of like a a breath of fresh air for for her, where everything else in her life is kind of yeah falling apart. She has this to lean on, so right, you know. right. And it seems like I mean, of course, she leaves because he's sort of like hounded by other women, but right, right. It seems like she's going to give him another chance in the future. Right, right. Um. Then uh. They continue their investigation. Uh, Kyle, Collins and Mayor interview the teenagers. And that was yeah. hilarious because teens are just aloof. Yeah, always. Um, it really reminded me of the scene in Jawbreaker when they're interviewing, interviewing everybody. And it's just, just a, a series of, of airs. Right. Um, but yeah, um, that's kind of where they get more information about what happened that night. Um, from different people and we get you know the sentiment that you know Brianna's a bitch you know no one's liked her the the whole thing between Dylan and 
Aaron, you know, they didn't have a good relationship um, and sort of sets out on the path for, for deeper investigating. Yeah. Um, and then in the midst of all this, um, as we, we stated, Mayor's uh, grandson's baby mother is in a uh, halfway house. You know, she's a drug addict. Um, they have a sort of a custodial visit with her at the park. And she states to uh, Mayor's daughter and mother that she wants full custody. Yeah. Because she's the mom and Mary isn't. And that's sort of, you know, it's, it's hard to take. Um, not sure what her drug of choice was, but you know, that's always yeah. a, a touchy situation. Um, then we go back to Kenny, who is just irate. You know, he he's lost his only child and he has a feeling of he knows who did it. He's yeah. drunk and high on grief and emotion and the folks that are supposed to be watching him, you know, fall asleep on the job and he leaves the house with yeah. his gun in, in hand. Meanwhile, Dylan, some reason, goes out and his parents don't do anything. Like, come on. <laughs> like, right, yeah. They, just, they did absolutely nothing to get in his way. Right. So he goes out, says he's just going to go get something to eat and come right back. So um, he, he goes to the gas station. Frankly, the same gas station mayor winds up out on her way to um, the outing or whatnot. Yeah. And he comes back to his car, which I, I guess he didn't lock because Kenny is sitting in the back seat and tells him to drive to the turnpike. Um, and as the episode goes on, they get out. You know, Dylan swears he didn't kill Aaron, begging Kenny not to do this. He tells him to keep walking. Dylan ends up running. And Kenny fires two bullets to uh, Dylan's back. And we're assuming that he's dead. Yeah. And I was not expecting that. I was like, damn, this is the second episode. Yeah, not at all. That was definitely a acceleration of the plot. So Kenny is out here just murdering yeah. innocent people right now. Um and on top of that, Aaron's best friend, who I can't remember her name, but after her interrogation, she comes home and is talking to her mother. And she says, Aaron told me a secret and she told me not to tell. Um, and instead of going to Mayor, she goes to Mayor's best friend, Nan. Yeah. And what, what does Nan do? Like, what exactly? I guess she's, I don't know if she's a housewife. I, I don't know. I don't know if she's like a counselor or yeah, I don't know. And instead they go to Nan's house and the friend says, you know, Aaron told me that Dylan wasn't the father of her child. And she said, who is? And she said, I don't know, but I have a feeling it's Frank Sheehan. And when my mouth drops. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. I was, I was in shock. I was genuinely like, wait what yeah and we get the shot of mayor in her house and the camera goes out of focus on her to frank basically in her backyard at his house yeah and it, it goes back to the conversation mayor had with frank because frank is a teacher and right. she asked you know do you remember aaron he said oh i didn't really know her um 
she just sort of sort of seemed like she had trouble at home. And that's all he said. Yeah, yeah. He so said he could um, just tell. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's lying. Yeah. And then before we move on to our next part, I just want to say another person we have to look at is the smaller of her uncles. Well, that scene when they switched. Yeah. Like watching uh, their brother, the way something about him. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Something's off there as well. As he was like, "Are you all right?" He was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah." Fine. But something definitely wasn't wasn't right. So we've got Frank, that guy, and the priest, and who knows who else. Yeah, because you just don't show the priest for nothing. Yeah, no, no, no. Because his sort of like, I wish we could have done more. I mean. That they're drawing the web of suspects here. So I'm right. definitely on for the long haul for uh, Mayor of Easttown. Yes, definitely. it's going to be good. Yeah. All right, that wraps up NOT. And now we'll have our featured presentation where we, re- we will recap the 2021 Academy Awards. Um, long awaited for this all film season. Um, we didn't know what it was going to look like. No. Of course, no host again. And what were your thoughts on the way it was set up and the production of overall? Um, hmm. I like the room. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Uh, wherever they are, that the place must be massive. But it was kind of uh, it was interesting to see it on such a small scale. I was I didn't know what to expect, but mm. that that really kind of um, caught my eye. But how do I say this? It it was still the Oscars and he still had the glitz and glam, but it was stripped back in a way. I mean, it was a smaller scale, but it, it almost didn't seem like as much pressure as you are, as much pomp and circumstance as like you um, associate with mm-hmm. the, the Oscars. So, but I don't know, it, it, it was right. It was all right. Yeah, I I en- sort of enjoyed the more intimate setting. Um, yeah, the pomp and circumstance was kind of gone, but they tried to do their do their best to come up with other ways to sort of expand the program or extend right. the program. Um, I think the introduction of the individuals nominated was neat. Um, yeah, if the presenters sort of allowed them to flow like if you were stammering and whatnot then it got a little weird but right right for the most part that was decent and i did like them letting them speak Um, yeah because a lot of people said some great things like um i was really touched by the director of another round like the way he spoke of you know the tragedy with his daughter Right. Um, and how, you know, that film was like a tribute to her in life. That that was really awesome. Um, so from high points to low points, what what didn't you particularly like about the production overall? Um there I know they had to make it stretch, but outside of the acceptance speeches, there was too much talking. Like I don't even know what the hell Harrison Ford was doing. Like that was that long. oh my god i i muted it at one point and just was like okay he'll walk off eventually and then i'll turn the sound back on but like uh he, stuff like that yeah he went 
like he was talking so slow i was like yeah dude like come on right right it didn't seem like it was going to end but um but that was that was my main hang-up there was i i guess my thing is if you didn't have that much to stretch the time why not just make it a shorter event like if it didn't have to go to 11 then right exactly why make it right because we were going pretty smoothly until i think after the best director award and then right, right. this that r&b trivia thing was just unnecessary <laughs> like it was awkward right like that folks did not want to do it like no. it seemed weird and because it just had a host if, that, if that's what you were going to do right um but yeah, let's get into some of the winners here, the big winners, and then we're going to discuss the big losing moment near the end. Um, so first off, the Trial Chicago 7 got zip. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Which surprised me. I thought they would get something, but they were, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Kind of blinked out. Yeah, yeah. So they got nothing. Um, and interesting, every other film got at least one Oscar. Uh, yeah. Promising Young Woman won the original screenplay. Um, Mank won um, production design and cinematography. You have my Rennie's Black Bottom take costume design and makeup and hairstyling, which was the first time uh, Black women won that award, makeup and hairstyling. And she had an interesting story about her grandfather. I thought that was... Yeah, and that's one of the, the reasons I really enjoyed like them letting them speak. We got to yeah. know the nominees, which was awesome. I think and, my dad said she's from Gary. Wow. And that's interesting because I was about to say, on a personal note, whenever I hear somebody is from Tuskegee, I just wonder, like, okay, do they know any Williams is down there? Like, do they... <laughs> They had to have, like, right. I can't imagine. Think, yeah, that's cousin. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. On the short film side, we had uh, live action Two Dizzy Strangers one. Yeah. Um, and then If Anything Happens, I Love You one, the animated. And I've heard great, some great things about um, that short film. Yeah, it's on Netflix and it's just 12 minutes. So, yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah. A Colette won a short subject documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sound of Metal won film editing and uh, Best Sound, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, original song went to Fight for You by her. Uh, I didn't really have a a choice for that. Uh, category, yeah. But she's out here with the Oscar and Grammy within two months. Um, Original score went to Soul, and John Batiste became the first Black person to win the Oscar for original score. Um, and a feature also went to Soul, and then documentary feature was My Octopus Teacher. Uh, eh, that got a lot of hype. I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then adapted screenplay went to The Father, which I guess I need to see eventually. Then to the acting categories, um, the first award given out well, second award given out was Daniel Kaluuya for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And he had a little comic, uh, <laughs> a, a little comedy added to his speech with this involving his mother and father, which his mother was not happy about. But right, right. <laughs> it was hilarious. 
And then uh, Yoon Jung Yoon from Minari won uh, Best Supporting Actress. And I thought her speech was really good. Um, and then for some reason, beyond me, I think we all knew the reason, but they didn't really have to do this. Um, best picture before best actor and actress. Yeah. So of course, Nomadland took for best picture um, and uh, Chloe accepted that award and the, the team. And uh, Chloe, of course, won best directing. Now, I think everyone basically assumed that since they're saving the acting categories for last, which you never do at any award show, it's just yeah. very odd that Chadwick Boseman must be getting this award and be a tribute to him as they end the, the show. So they do act Best Actress in Leading Role, Frances McDormand, of course, for Nomadland. And then Joaquin Phoenix comes out to present the award for Best Actor. And he says Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Right. And then it's just like done. It's like, wait, what? Everyone said, er? Right. And Anthony's not there because he's overseas. He didn't go to the BAFTAs. No. Because he didn't think he was going to win. Like, no. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't give a speech or anything. Yeah, you're right. All season, Chadwick was racking up Best Actor, left and right. Um, the one only exception was the BAFTAs, and Anthony didn't go to that. I mean, he's old. He doesn't have to go, go to these things. Right, yeah, he's been around. But evidently, the producers just assumed that Chadwick was going to win, so they changed the format of the award show to tribute him and get us all emotionally invested in him getting this award. <laughs> And then they don't give it to him. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of like, wait, what? It was so awkward. It was worse than the Moonlight snafu. Like it oh, was God. just so unsavory and it, it sort of ruined the entire, <laughs> entire three hour show. So um, yeah that sort of backfired in their faces. And then this morning, you know, Anthony, no, Monday morning, Anthony posted a video thanking them and, you know, tributing Chadwick, but he had no inkling that he was going to win this award. Right, right. So of course there's been a lot of pushback and it's just another signal that the Academy is out of touch. Yeah. Um, because rarely does a front runner for the season for that award not win right like it, it just didn't make any sense and while there's only been two um posthumous oscar winners in oscar history one of them being heath ledger it, it could have happened again and it should have happened and it just just a very another indication that the academy needs to sort of re reform their system and just sort of rethink how this award show is going to go on because like you said it's one of the least watched ceremonies so far um and it, they're just losing credibility yeah and i just i think i don't know it seems as people society gets younger 
they're much less concerned with who's winning what. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to like, okay, yeah, I like this film. It's great that it got this award, but at the same time, it's like, uh, who who's who's really counting? Yeah, yeah, it's it's strange. Um, yeah, and and I mean, and to add like salt to the wound, like they invited his parents. Yeah, ceremony, and then they had given everyone that NFT of the bust of his head, like a swag gift. Yeah, so things got a little weird. Yeah, and it just feels like if you were going to do all that, you should have given him the award instead of using him to sort of get viewers and then not right. give him the award. It just felt very strange. So we'll just have to see what happens next year at the Oscars. Um, I I thought this year's competition was really good um, and enjoyed the diversity, but again, just odd decisions in the in the final stretch. Yeah, and I think the viewership will bounce back, but they've got to. How do I say it? I think it will bounce back if they push it you know what i mean they've got to be like more like oh we're back and this everybody's coming and and it's going to be like a regular ceremony i think that will bring the attention back i just think people are just burned out i just i just think there's a lack of interest yeah honestly so all right what will you be streaming for the weekend okay so this weekend like i said we had the uh watch it something on um on Comcast. So I am watching two shows on there. There's a show called A History of Witches, which is in season two. And that comes on AMC. And uh, usually what they do is like they show you the first episode and then it's strictly on AMC plus. So while this is open, I'm gonna watch all that. It's really good. And then um, the girlfriend experience. And this is about um, sex workers that are usually like, I want to say like, mid 20s women's like the first the first season had Riley Kehoe and she was in college just kind of that part and she didn't know she didn't need like extra money and so she started working as you know a sex worker and uh so I missed the second season so I'm gonna watch that and then the third season starts I want to say Saturday and this one is way different it has like it's taking like a I won't say like, I think like an AI type turn. It's very techy. So mm. yeah, it's an interesting show. It's, it's pretty good. Okay. I didn't hear good things about it. Yeah. All right. For me, um, Friday, Amazon drops um, Without Remorse. Uh, this is the Tom Clancy film starring Michael B. Jordan as a Black operative who goes... Mm out for revenge when his wife and uh, unborn child are murdered in a vicious attack. Um, And then the season finale, season one finale of Invincible is also on Prime this Friday. Um, It's a great, great animated series. I'm really, did not know what to expect, but um, it's good. I'm hoping they get renewed. Okay. Yeah, I keep seeing uh, things about the, uh without remorse so I, I may check that out too 
yeah, I'm I'm hoping it's good. I, I think Jordan will be a great action star. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely interested. Right. Thank you for listening to It's a Stream of Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe, share, and review on your platform of choice. If you want more, follow us on social at AS Life Podcast and visit our website, streamablelife.wordpress.com. Next week, we'll prepare for the beginning of the end of FX's pose with the first two episodes of season three. So I think it's a double episode premiere. Okay. And until then, keep on streaming. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Life. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast.